hard work, gun-toting cats atop flame-nostriled unicorns, this is Carbon 4 Brewing in Madison, Wisconsin. Come along and hang out with the guys behind the Fantasy Factory curtain. Be exposed to those backroom, unfiltered meetings where the beer geekery is on point and beer trends are dissected. We're back with another episode of the Carbon 4 Podcast, an unhinged brewery tour, and we've got a full table of uh, people here today for uh, this episode. Of unhinged people. Of unhinged people, yes. There's a, there's a lot a, a lot of unhinged in this room. So we are, we've are we got a lot of exciting uh, conversation for you here in probably a handful of episodes, and um, we'll see uh, what time Kirby keeps us here till tonight. Well, I can talk. <laughs> but I'll uh, turn it over to Ryan. You can kind of kick things off. Uh, we've obviously Obviously, got Ryan and Zach Koga from Carbon 4 here, as well as Joe Waltz from Carbon 4. And then we've got Kirby Nelson, the one and only Kirby Nelson. And as well as Clint from Working Draft. Boy Wonder. Dime a dozen. (laughs) (laughs) That was good sound effects, that whole (laughs) intro. I talk talk with my hands a lot. That was like Clint's WWE entrance. Clint's intro music. Clint's intro music. Yeah. (laughs) Boy Wonder Boom. <laughs> I haven't even had any beer yet today. Uh, it's just getting started, folks. All right. It's just getting started. So first and foremost, uh, Clinton Kirby, thank you so much. Uh, it's be the fifth time I've thanked you in the last five minutes, and I it'll be more because I really very much appreciate it. Everybody's really oh, busy. We're all busy, yeah, but this is going to be good. So thank you for taking time out of your day to do this. We're just going to kind of free flow this one. I, I've had a lot of questions in my mind, but I think I've learned so far to kind of uh, start with a good lead in and then we'll just kind of see where it goes naturally from there because that's always a good conversation so i was hoping to learn more about each one of your origin stories uh it was really fun when dean kind of went through the whole like when did you first start brewing and then how did it turn into professional and where did you go from there so um take it away what we're going to start with kirby well since mine goes back decades you know Soon to his comment. Um, you ready, Pierre? Yeah, because Clint, Clint comes down your story a little bit later. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good place to start. And then, well, in terms of, you know, the craft breweries, of course, it was microbrews when I started, you know, way back then. Um, I started different than probably any other brewer I know back then because I came from a brewing background. I went to school in La Crosse and ended up in um, November of 78 getting a job at G. Heilman in La Crosse working third shift quality assurance stuff. In those days, we didn't have DO meters. We were shaking these bottles that you would fill with beer called Zom bottles um, off the tank and shake them and put them on these old burette testing devices. You may have seen them for checking airs and beers. Um, yeah, that's what I was doing. Just Was that was that caustic using that? Uh, yeah, yeah, because it would chew up all the gas except the air, mm-hmm. chew up all the CO2. Or as a guy working on the floor, I call it zombie bottles. But anyways, um, so just doing that and checking grain um, cars as they came in. And this was, I worked at Highland Lacrosse for roughly um, a year and a half. Um, excuse me, not quite two, but during this time, one of their strategies of growing was purchasing little smaller brewers that were on the verge of going under around the country, okay, like Stag out of East St. Louis, et cetera. And they purchased a little brewery in Central Florida and said, hey, you want to go work the laboratory down there? And I'm going, yeah, cool, you know, thinking uh, Gulf Coast and all that. Well, this is in Auburndale, and this is back in 1980. That was a deep south, boys. Let me t- I mean, I, I went through serious culture shock. I went from a corporate laboratory to a little wooden shack in a laboratory with 
with cockroaches the size of these beer cans and rats the size of Lassie. These are pints, by the way. They're not 12 ounces. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and a lot of crazy Southerners. That's a healthy and it was that It had a lot of buck They carried all these big buck knives. I don't know where they stuck them, but it was very different from what I was used to, and I loved it. I really, that's what I really learned. And it, I went down there. Um, I didn't have a clue. You know what I mean? I just worked in a laboratory and nothing about beer, and I was getting all these bad numbers. Um in my cheesy little test, and I was head of QC was a Scottish guy. I go, Mr. Drysdale, our numbers aren't looking good. He goes, Cataby, find out why. And I did. And a good way, Can't folks, to, to learn how to do something is fix it. Okay, I, I see this problem. We have a wart infection. Where are the areas that this can happen, and what do I have to do to, to get rid of those? And so I got a cram course in brewing in a year and a half that I wouldn't have got anywhere else in 20 years. It wasn't so great for Highland, but, man, I learned a lot. And what was really cool is I learned my craft from – from these great gentlemen who'd spent their careers shutting breweries down. Um, I know Clint's heard the story. I worked with them. They had plant managers working down there that had worked on the East Coast, were close to retirement, and then they had a lot of their friends that retired to come visit them. These guys had shut down Rheingold, shut down Ortlieb, shut down Narragansett, shut down Schaefer, you know what I mean? They had gone through a time when the U.S. industry was just really concentrated into the, to the big ones, and that's it. And I learned a lot from those guys, and I really learned to appreciate them. So, I mean, I'm not a beer nerd. I'm a nerd, yeah, but I'm, I'm a brewery geek. I'm really into the, the, the business and the, the operations more than anything else. And so I was lucky to start at a time when it was basically at the end of one era and the start of another one. Because there were 61 breweries in the country owned by 41 companies when I started working at Highland, all right? Now, what, we have 61 breweries within five miles of here or something like that right now? I mean, it's... Sounds about right. Yeah. So... You know, and then I worked at a brewery in the Philippines for a couple of years, um, and I read about these. You go from Florida to the Philippines yeah, then? Yeah, Asia Brewery, making a German how, name. How was that connection made then? It was this, this gentleman I mentioned, Jim Drysdale, became my mentor. He got he had brewed all over the world, and he got tired of the American corporate life, so he went to become brewmaster to start a brewery in the Philippines. It was going to take on San Miguel, interesting place. It was, I mean, I went from a relatively small brewery to this brewery that was the size of, like, Middleton, where I live. I mean, you know, they... <laughs> They even had a plas- uh, a location on on site to make their own bottles because this was back then it was all returnable bottles in the Philippines. And San Miguel had owned the Philippines for over 100 some years. Post-World War II, a company came in to try to uh, take them on, but they were importing all their glass. And so rumor had it, people were hired to break bottles. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so they were kind of forced out of business. But it was a fascinating, again, I learned a lot in a short amount of time there. I mean, I saw things. You guys have heard of glass laminate? You familiar with that? No. Okay. We had, before their glass plant started, they had 10 million bottles sitting in a warehouse, which was obviously a tin roof. And the climate there is very humid and very hot. And what happens over a period of time, a reaction happens inside the bottle where the, something in the alkalinity of the coating of that glass reacts with um, the water and a little bit of acidic in the air and forms this... Uh, layer of glass on the glass that you can't remove but when the beer hits and go through the pasteurizer it looked like a snow globe 10 million bottles like that that was an experience <laughs> so I wonder, yeah i wonder if that's a silica thing you know what i have really haven't looked at it long enough i can't remember but you know i know i'm going a little bit on here but um basically you know my formative years were made with american style beers i have never homebrewed in my life and I have no desire to. I got all this expensive equipment <laughs> to go and have my wife yelling at me for messing up the stove. Yeah. Um, but I did get involved with Capital Brewery in December of '83 when I came back from the Philippines. And um, what brought you back from the Philippines? Then what was the? Um, it was time. Um, 
it was time to pop the first child after you know it was great for me over there but um it was tough on my wife living over there because we were living way south of manila and there wasn't a whole lot going on and after a couple of years we both had enough you know i had the experience and i really it was a great experience but i literally got involved by capital by seeing back then the cap times was still in existence and had a had an evening at you know it was the evening paper and within a couple of days of being home we were living with my parents my dad showed me an article about a guy starting a brewery in um, madison this ed janice so i found his name in a phone book called it up got his message machine and left got his answering machine and left a a quick resume plus the magic words i'll invest that guarantees a callback you know <laughs> and so yeah he did and he agreed to hire me and i took a job out of the industry for a couple years down in Momentum, illinois waiting to get going and so we first brewed april 17th 1986 was the first brewer capital and you guys how much has changed since then if you'd have told me we're, we'd be where we are right now in this industry as opposed to what it was back in you know the late 80s i'd have said no way it's been science fiction mm-hmm. and it really has been incredible to see and I've been really lucky to work with a lot of great people. I mean, here we have Clint. Now, Clint, you know, I'll let him speak to him, you know, what he was doing. But basically, when he came to us, I realized we really had a hell of a treasure here. Clint is an incredibly talented brewer. What I really admire about Clint is he can do all the funky stuff, which I can't stand, <laughs> you know, like the peanut butter porters and what have you. But his heart truly lies in lager, which is, you know, which is what I love. Yeah, you guys get on thick as these. For that, for sure. For the record, I don't think I've ever made a peanut butter beer. So, <laughs> you had out. a peanut butter porter there in your little system. I'm positive of it, Clint. Maybe I Maybe. don't remember. <laughs> Doesn't mean you wouldn't. Doesn't mean I wouldn't. Actually, I've avoided peanut butter because I worry about peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. I have a kid, so it's like you know, schools are like no peanuts in the lunchroom. So I'm like, sure. I'm gonna kill somebody if I make a peanut butter beer. <laughs> I know people do it, but it freaks me out. So but, yeah, how long it? So with Capital, then I mean that's when I first heard your name as well. Yeah, and the first time I ever heard about Capital was when I was out in uh, grad school in Montana, and, and Zach was here at UW, and he was gone, and he was like, "Oh, this got to go to Capital, throwing fish off the top of the building." And yeah, that was Kirby. All the Bachfest <laughs> and this and that. I mean, that was the first time I ever heard your name and heard about, it, and I was like, "This is really cool." Yeah, what? trust me, you haven't seen stupid. You've been thirty feet in the air throwing fish at people, <laughs> and they Kirby, and they're begging Kirby, for it. And they're begging for <laughs> Kirby. Stupid is catching that fish. In, yeah, in my Doppelbach mug and eating it. Did you do it? <laughs> oh, Good yeah. man. Ugh, that's gnarly. <laughs> yeah, I could always find my wife because she goes, "If you hit me with a fish," and I'd look and I'd see someone going there. I go, "Oh, she is. Better not throw there." <laughs> you, you landed one right in my huge pint. Nice. Know, that your huge mug. Well, you know, we'd microwave them first because oh, yeah. that that added the explodability of the texture. <laughs> Nasty smell too. Yeah, those are pretty wild parties. You know the nice thing about a winter festival? You don't worry about the weather as much, ironically, because like you know in the summer you got rain and all that, but in the winter you know it's going to be cold as long as it's yeah. not twenty below. It'll happen. Uh, who cares? If it yeah. snows, doesn't yeah. snow. Who really cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that put on an extra sense. pair of pants. Yeah, we used to do that to introduce our blonde double buck, which really actually was a pretty nice beer, and it kind of was a failure, quite frankly, because I've only been to Germany once, and I drank hundred and seven beers in one week, took notes on all of them. Can't read the notes, but I tried. And, uh, <laughs> but I basically, you know, it was a, I had my first pale double back over there and I really liked it. And the malt character was so nice over there. And, you know, me being stupid going, well, maybe if I just do this decoction, it'll make it taste like that. It didn't. I mean, the secret, if I want to have a beer taste good, has German malt in it, you buy them all from Germany. You know what I mean? But the blonde <laughs> double back still with its hybridized decoction upward infusion turned out to be a very, very nice beer. And I miss making that one. I really didn't enjoy it. 
That's cool. But that's was the cause of throwing fish at people. What was the did the brew house on that capital? Was that custom built for capital one that was like half in the floor and the up, up well down, again you guys something. understand back then in craft brewing it was very easy to find all this great brewing equipment cheap provided you want to build a brewery that would fit in the Oscar meyer complex you know what i mean <laughs> there were no small breweries where our brew house came from it's i know i'm long-witted and i apologize but um our brew house well, we got a couple hours this story. is the, this is the <laughs> point of the podcast is had a great story we want some meat how, and the potatoes how this brewery got to wisconsin is there was a guy way ahead of his time who fell in love with english ales and was going to build a a brewery in naples florida making traditional cast conditioned ales and this would have had him in the late 70s okay maybe early 80s so he started the project as i was told the story and ran out of money big surprise there went to his investors and they're all going you know wait a minute wait a minute before we throw more good money after bad what are you going to do here so he flew over a a couple cask of traditional english you know, cask conditioned ale, set it up at a suite at a local hotel, invited his investors and the newspapers and all the local celebrities, and everyone hated the beer. Yeah. So this brew house, which was a beautiful vintage 1955 Hoopman Copper brew house that he bought over here, mm-hmm. went to a place called Brewers and Bottlers, which is long gone in Tampa, Florida. And somehow Ed Janice, um, they found it. In fact, I got a picture of this brew house in a trailer coming over an old bridge in the Beltline before it got to the brewery. So that brew house was an actual German brewery. We had to do a lot of modifications to to get it to work, but it was a beautiful brew house. I mean, copper is labor as intensive as it is. It's so pretty. It screams brewery, you know. Right. And then the rest of the tank, like how many tanks did it start with? Or was that building always just that size? Or was that building that, that building for the brewery? Or did you find oh my the building? God, that like, brewery used to be a, a place called Maisel Egg. And that building, well, it was a challenge to say the least. Put it this way. The trench drains and the sun on the floors, the, the walls, the, the floors sloped to the walls. So basically we were fighting water and mold and what have you all the time. I, I think I'm missing half my lungs from all the bleach I sprayed in that place, you know. Um but we were using old dairy tanks because, again, there wasn't JVN art. There was a couple companies just starting, but you did not have the available availability of really nice equipment for smaller facilities like there is today. So a lot of the breweries that started like us were using um, old dairy tanks and modified soda fillers, et cetera, you know, to get filling going. There's a lot of, um, how do you figure this out, you know, which made for um, some interesting results sometimes, no doubt about it. And, again, that's where my advantage came in. I understood what had to be done to make good liquid, but I didn't know a Meritson from a Whiteson um, back then. And some people might argue, I still don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, but so, like, for me, I, I had the easy part, I mean, the hard part down. I knew what to look for, what had to be done, and, and just had to learn about beer styles. It was quite a ride. Capital was a lot of fun. Yeah. We starved most of the time, but it was still great. Uh, how many years then? I was at Capital from late 83 to uh, 2012, so that's about 12. 29 years. Yeah, I remember it wasn't too long after we knew we were going to launch and do our thing that the news came out that you're departing and, and yeah. going to do your own thing. So mm-hmm. uh, we can get in that story, move past the story, jump over and get to Wisconsin Brewing. But what do you want to – would you like to share anything in there or, or just say the trans- – we moved over to Wisconsin Brewing. Yeah, it's just so – What about Carl? I mean, you and Carl get together at Capitol. I mean, oh, yes, yeah. Were you great. there you first know, and then Carl? Oh, yeah. Trying? See, yeah. Capitol went through um, – 
a number of folks who were leading the company where it just didn't work out. And Carl was actually the first real beer guy we had in the place. And he did a lot of good things. Because he was already in the industry. Yeah. He was and, a wholesaler, and, right? Yeah. That's correct. He came yeah. from distribution and he knew all the distributors and they had a lot of respect for them. And that's, you know, as you learn, cool. distribution is the name cool. of the game. So the you and him got along up. well, could they speak the same language. And right, right, right. And they, talk. um, it, I just, um, Carl was, I thought, treated very poorly by the ownership structure at Capital. I basically had a year there. It wasn't so fun because okay. I realized I just wasn't going to stay. And Carl said, well, gotcha. you know, let's, let's get something going here. And he cool. did. And, um, and that's how we met Clint. Yeah, that's true. Are we moving on to me? Or are, you, are you done? Or well, you no, I, I don't think, I think we well, should. I was trying to bring up to Wisconsin <laughs> Brewing. Yeah, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot yeah, yeah, like no. a gotcha news person and be like, hey, why don't you tell the shit story? Like, oh, no, God. just like I, I know get... that there's the change. You're at Wisconsin Brewing now. You're part of that and all this stuff. And that's where Clint comes into the story. And I was yeah, well, actually, how Clint got going together. there, we did our first couple trials. You know, I've got brewing community, as you know, is pretty tight-knit for the most part. All right. You know, most of us get along really well. And um, we had done our first trial brews at um, the Great Dane. And Trent from Vintage got a hold of us and said, why can't we get in some of that action? Because we were getting some publicity out of it. And so we went over to Whitney, you know, the brewery on Whitney Way. And then Mike McGuire was the operations manager. And then walking Clint, watching Clint going, you know, as we grow, we need some. We're gonna, this is the kind of guy we're going to need. Mm-hmm. And then we invited him over to the brewery and Clint saw this temple, the yeah. mothership. That's right. He was awestruck. Mm-hmm. Fell to his knees and said, please. Let me Cry. Me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah. nip slip and you were on board right that's right there we go that's yeah. right sat on kirby's soft lap and i had the job yeah <laughs> clint was like clint was like i can invest and it was a lie <laughs> time i can invest my time, time. Yeah. i didn't say what I just, I said invest you know i will say one of the biggest transitions for me going from um capital to wisconsin was the brew house and that i was used to as tommy porter would say brewing via um bear skins and stone knives you know what i mean mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we have this big computerized thing and i was quite frankly a little like whoa at first and wow this is going to take away from the process you know what it doesn't it adds to it if anything because you have to really learn how to deal with um tell, telling the automation what it has to do to keep you happy and that's a good way to learn more about brewing you know and what you expect out of things mm-hmm. so it didn't take me long to realize man no this is wonderful it really is. Oh, we're still bearskins and knives. Well, I still put it this way. I have this little brewery in Oconomowoc now, you know, at the baseball park. Yeah. Which we can talk about later that um, is semi-automated, but I still manage to get burnt and shit, so it works out just fine. <laughs> cool. Clint, tell us about when you guys, after the soft lap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I can lead up to that. So, like, you know, I got, I got into... <laughs> I got into Kirby's soft lap. I'm just kidding. I got into, <laughs> I got into brewing... Um, you know, I was working in printing here in town, actually, and I just didn't didn't really give a shit about it. You know, it was something to do. It was a job to have. I didn't go to college. It was just went we're straight into the workforce out of high school. And so I had some experience in manufacturing, but I wasn't passionate about printing. And on top of that, like, we'd have meetings with the, the CEO of the company. Be like, it's a bad time in printing right now. And we're, like, watching Kindles and everything take off. We're like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's like not a good time to be making books. Um, enter the iPhone. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Computer. And so I knew I had to get out of there. You know, I was a young guy in my twenties. And in fact, like when I quit the printing company, my foreman was like, good, 
great. You should leave. You should not be here any longer. It's like, all right. All right. That's Man. always a good sign. I'm making the right choice. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, when I was working there, you know, I actually lived like just down the road from here. And this when this was Ale Asylum, and I would drive past here every day. And, you know, I'd meet buddies here for beers when it was still Ale Asylum. And, you know, was always into beer and an and adventurous beer drinker from the time I was like 16. You know, I'd send my sisters to the grocery store and be like, find this and this and find all these beers for me. And so I was like, brewing, that's manufacturing. I have manufacturing experience, but I can manufacture something that I'm interested in. That's cool. That other people enjoy, you know, that's, I'm like, I'm not making books for some far off person that, that I'm never going to actually understand whether or not they enjoy it or they probably don't because they're college kids that spent like $500 on this book and they're just pissed that they have to buy it. Right. Um, it's the second edition. Yeah, exactly. Um, or somebody sees it and says, why would I buy that? I have a Kindle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I drive past here every day and I'd be like, man, that's, I'd rather be doing that. So I sent out some emails um, to brewers around town, one of them being Amazon. I sent an email to Kirby and delete. was like, how do I? <laughs> he didn't actually, he didn't delete it. But I was like, how do I get in the brewery? He sent a picture of his soft lap. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's how. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. This is what it takes, kid. <laughs> it's yeah. the entrance exam. Though. Yeah, that's right. The, um, the weeder course. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. We, we kept it fairly clean until yes. then, Joe. The <laughs> going down a bad road. Um, but, you know, I got just basically like, go to brewing school. Is what Kirby told me. And then just like a couple random, you know, replies, just like do this, do that. Um, and then House of Brews was opening up on the east side. And I reached out to Paige, the proprietor of House of Brews on Facebook. And I was like, you need any help? Like, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door. He agreed to take me in like anytime I had free time to just help him out. And they weren't brewing yet. They're just doing build out. So I started like taping off the bathrooms to paint, like not doing any brewing stuff. And did that for like a year, you know, was there for the first brew day there and learned a little bit there. And then he helped me get a job at Vintage Brewing, which is like two and a half years old or something like that. And over on Whitney Way, they had, they had just bought the brew pub a couple of years prior from or what used to be JT Whitney's and got that going. And um, Scott over there was looking for his first assistant. And so he helped me get the job over there. I did that for... I mean, a little under two years. And then that's kind of what brings me to Kirby is doing the pilot brews for Wisconsin Brewing Company. And I definitely treated that brew day like an interview. I was like, ooh, I better show off and <laughs> do it, work my ass off. That lap got a hell of a workout. So I love it. <laughs> so it worked out. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I emailed. <laughs> How I emailed, many lap dances? I brought my Spanx and everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. I had to wear ex- extra, my extra thick pants that day. More like deep cut, deep cut, deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, so I emailed Kirby or Facebook. I don't know. I got a hold of you somehow. Yeah. And it was like, you know, if you're looking for anybody, I'm interested. And he's like, we're not currently, but I'll let you know if something comes up. And then it was like, I don't know, months later, you're like, I'm going to Florida. Want to come help out part time? And I was like, yep. So Scott let me do that. Did that. Did both jobs like part time for a couple of weeks. And then these guys offered me a full time job. I was there for three and a half years. In the mix of all that, I also worked at Wine Hop Shop, which is a homebrew shop here in town that's been around for, they just celebrated their 50th anniversary, which is like wow. pretty fucking crazy oh, to think yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Same location the whole time? Uh, no, I think they were on State they Street. They started on State point. Street. In fact, the guy who started, Dave Mitchell, he was one of the f- three founders of Capital. Yeah. He, they, yeah. Oh, wow. Dave's been around for forever. Yeah, and they're not even on their 
same location on Monroe Street. Like that happened yeah, within the last times. decade, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they started before homebrewing was legal, which is pretty insane. It's like all the head shops are like, these pipes are for tobacco use only. <laughs> sure. These hops, are, these hops are for winemaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, a couple of my friends from wine hop shop were looking at starting a brewery and, you know, they kind of talked to me about it and just, you know, was exciting the opportunity to start something new and kind of do my own thing. Well, working for Kirby was great. Definitely does not stifle creativity. It was awesome to learn a lot from him. And also he gave us, we have the pilot system there. So we had all sorts of leeway to do whatever we wanted, but you know, I just felt like it was time to kind of branch out on my own, do my thing. Kirby's always been super supportive of, you know, there's multiple times that opportunities came up for us at when we were working at Wisconsin Brewing Team. Rochelle and I, when the PAPS job came open, mm-hmm. and we were like, I'll recommend you if you guys want to do it. So I knew that they'd be bummed, but it wouldn't be like a relationship burnt bridge type of thing if I left. So that made it easier. But Yeah, I planted video just in case you got out of line. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, no, it was. I mean, I hate it when Clint... It was like bathroom video. Well, oh, probably. Uh, la- la- no, we're just going to leave that to your this is going imagination. Yeah. Bad. We got to pull it up. Anyway, pull up, so pull up. We haven't even had a half a beer. Yeah, this oh, is man. not great. Um, no, I was actually, you know, very personally devastated because number one, I personally, Clint and I got along very well, and um, and still do, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and I, you know, we were losing a major talent, but you know, with what he was offered, Ned, I would have had a fire him for stupidity if he didn't take it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, yeah, it was upsetting, but again, nothing but the best to him. You know what I mean? He's he's a very talented brewer. He deserves to be out on his own. He deserves to, you know, to learn to without someone kind of looking over his shoulder to do what he felt like he wants to do this and make mistakes and learn from it and develop his own take on everything. And I think he's doing a phenomenal job of it. And I really, I'm considering myself very fortunate to have um, his as a colleague. I've been lucky to work with a lot of great young brewers, like, you know, or brewers that, you know, just that end up people that worked at the brewery and came along and really got potential. I mean, you know, look at James Kramer, developed some stuff. I have uh, uh, Luke Foth now is our, our head brewer. He came from um, Octopi. Mm. And he's actually, Amen to that. You're right. And he um, actually worked at a lot of breweries. In fact, out in Northwest, Northwest ironically, one of the guys he worked for is my daughter's godfather. So um, small <laughs> world, huh? But Luke is also, you know, just tremendous. You know, got a very, very good feel for it. And um, you, we see that, that guys that... Besides having a talent, just seem to know. And Clint, you know, Clint exemplifies that. And look how nice this lager is. That's incredible. It takes skill to brew that, baby. That yeah. he learned from uh, my life. Uh, compliments make me uncomfortable, so that's why I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Good. So, yeah. So handsome and intelligent, <laughs> striking and tall and brawn. I mean, you just got to go to working draft any, like, afternoon and see all the brewers hanging out there to... To know that he's doing something that is, right. That is like yeah, that's the best compliment, compliment right? Is yeah. seeing all the all the other brewers coming. Yeah, I, I appreciate that's that. That's my comment. Yeah, yeah let's, let's face it. Let's the brewers go. Put it this way: I've been telling what I'm. I've had home brewers telling what I'm doing wrong since 1986. <laughs> you know, you really should have more hops. <laughs> Fuck you. You know. Oh yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> this and that and this. Yeah, and that. Yeah, I'll yeah. be sure to try it next time. No, I mean, I yeah. really, you know. The first time I had, everyone was going wild over it was a Sierra Nevada Harvest Ale. I've always liked Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. But the first time I had that huge Harvest Ale, whatever it is, man, I was like. Celebration, I think. Celebration, thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. I was well, I was absolutely appalled. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just wasn't my kind of beer. And I really wanted to, you know, for most of the part, to try to make um, the kind of beers I want to I wanna drink. You know, I think Zach is, um, excuse me, Ryan is opening up a Maybach here. 
that yeah. I thought I'd sh- we'd do a little um, taste some punished beer because this was canned 16 months ago. We haven't had some laying around. So I said, oh, let's grab some of this, see how it held up. I didn't do that in the microphone like I'm supposed to. <laughs> Thank you. Pass that around. That. Well, Kirby, the first time I actually like got to, get I think, speak to you in person was, uh, well, yeah, was leaving the bathroom. Over oh. at, uh, no, it was, you really have a potty mouth in mine. It was over at the, um, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking? Common Thread Brew? No, it was uh, a little uh, breast cancer beer festival. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Dexter's? Dexter's. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dexter's. Oh, Fred, uh, Fred Swanson's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I ran into the hallway. I think I was coming out of there and I ran into the hallway and I was like, Hey, I'm Ryan. You know, we met for a second. I remember that was like you guys were just going at it for Wisconsin Brewing. Mm-hmm. And I remember like there was like a lot of IPAs on the first lineup. And I remember kind of saying to you like, oh, yeah. Hey, man, like you're the, you're the king of all this other stuff. And if you're not doing it, who is anymore? So don't well, be afraid, man. To, I don't, that's what, you know, one yeah, of the don't mistakes. Feel pressure. <laughs> one of the mistakes I did make um, at Wisconsin was I was so associated with capital in my mind that I want to try to be yeah. different. Yeah. You know, not just – um become capital two and which in retrospect is quite stupid you know you are what she is and um yeah um and we figured it out I, yeah absolutely i'm S- glad you did <laughs> so slightly oxidized but still holding up pretty well for is that a, is that a frank zappa saying you are what you is yeah right. M- most of the things he says are zappa sings <laughs> god i just love that little that's excellent too <laughs> yeah that held up that's yeah, nice well you know we got um you know, one of the biggest things we finally figured out at Wisconsin, because forever we had not bottled on premise, I would ship beer either to Monroe or Point. And it worked for many years, and then it didn't. And it was just the quality of the beer was not coming back as um, we desired. And we realized we started making beer. You were there for the War Pigs for a while, were you, Clark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We started, we did. We were the initial brewery for War Pigs, and that got us immediately to capacity. Problem was, we didn't have a canning line, and we are bringing a mobile canning line in, and by the time we reduced our margins enough to... um so they'd pay the price. No one was making money, and it didn't yeah. work out. And so they had to pull out and go to Summit, which is great. Mark Stutrud's a great friend of mine um, up at Summit. And we realized, you know what? We've got to get a canning line. And is we Damo still at Summit? Did. Excuse me? Is Damien still at Summit, too? I'm not sure. Um, anyways, by putting this canning line in, we realized that also the business has changed significantly, which we'll get into, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah. But um, that there's a lot more opportunities above and beyond beer. So we're spinning that can line a lot, but only maybe 15% of it, maybe 20 is beer. You know, the rest is making seltzers, et cetera. You know, and if you want to if you want to hear some crying, tell a bunch of brewers that they can't brew for a while, that they got to blend seltzers. Yeah. It sucks. I want to I make beer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> which is, Guilty. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we've heard that <laughs> tone of voice. Yeah. And I'm going to cut the conversation off there. We're going to pick up here next week. We still have a lot of things for this group of brewing industry icons to discuss. So, Kirby and Clint, thanks for being here on the Carbon 4 podcast, an unhinged brewery tour. For all our listeners out there, we had three Madison, Wisconsin area breweries here on the show 
out today, head to any of their tap rooms, pick up their beer out in distribution. Working Draft Beer Company, Wisconsin Brewing Company, and Lake Louie, and of course, Carbon 4. Head over to Carbon4.com or WiscoPopSoda.com. Enter the promo code UNHINGED and get 10% off your order. Or come on over to the Carbon 4 Tap Room, mention that you listen to the podcast, and get yourself a buy one, get one beer. Cheers, and we'll be back with more next week. Thanks for listening. 